All right, guys, I am super excited about today's episode. I got a close, longtime personal friend, Templeton Walker, who this guy's got energy through the roof. You're going to love T. Walker. Trust me on that. And I'm also really excited because I just realized we are coming up on our three-year anniversary of this podcast. Something like we're, we're coming up on 400 episodes, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, over the last three years. And so we're going to do, be doing some giveaways. So uh, do me a favor. If you like the show, even if you don't like it, give us a review. Give us a rating wherever you listen, mostly on Apple. I'm not sure if you can review anywhere else. Do that. Take a screenshot. Send it to me. I don't care if it's Facebook Messenger. You can email me. Go to kevinandfred.com and hit the contact button. Send me a screenshot of that. Or you could share the episode on your social, any, any episode, hopefully this one, so we get Templeton uh, some more exposure. If you like what you heard, share it on your social. Send me a screenshot of that as well. Every time you send me a screenshot, I'm going to put you in a drawing. It's going to be one entry in a drawing. I'm going to give away some super cool stuff. That'll be right around the very beginning of November, right when we hit our three-year anniversary. So, all right, without further ado, please enjoy my guest, Templeton Walker. All right, we're back on the Kevin and Fred show, and uh, this is take 75 of the introduction alone with my man, Templeton Walker. What's up, T? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm so good. How are you? Dude, I'm doing good. We have not had a chance to do a podcast together since like pre-COVID uh, at your buddy's spot when like when you first and your dad was there. Yeah. And we, we uh, I think we mostly talked about the Lakers that day. So maybe we'll talk a little more about real estate <laughs> yeah. today, but I mean, it's been a minute. Yeah, it has, man. Templeton Walker podcast. You're like one of my first six guests. I was. I made your top um, six. It's like MySpace top eight. I was I was T. Walker's yes. top six. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we had a great time that day. We did. It was a lot of fun. A lot has changed since then in both of our businesses and lives. Uh, that's an understatement, my friend. Yeah. So why don't, let's do this, Temp, um, because I, I can't wait to kind of get into what your business model is like these days and kind of some of the cool stuff you're doing. Um, but- we're going to go backwards too, but tell us like, what is your, give me, give me an overview. Like what is Templeton Walker's real estate business look like today? And then we're going to, I'm going to hop all over the place on this. No worries. So I realize like I love owning and building businesses. I'm not very good at being a realtor or being a house flipper or owning the title company or running the rentals, but I like owning the business. So I, I first stable, I started to stabilize companies. So I said, Hey, Templeton group, this is my traditional real estate. Like if someone calls me to buy or sell traditional real estate, I don't want to actually do the work. And quite frankly, I'm pretty shitty at it. Oh, can you cuss? Yeah. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not a very good realtor. Okay. But I have amazing realtors that I can empower and then they go do that work for me. Okay. Right. So there's a lady named Shauna Slevin who I love and adore and she runs Templeton group for me. Um, so I stabilized that vertical and I realized like, oh, I can make passive income from this business without a lot of my time. So that's kind of, and then I've, I re I realized that being vertically integrated in business is one of the best things you can possibly do. Super important. So now the next stack for me was wholesaling real estate. Okay. Four or five years ago, I was done being the, I was being a realtor and I was, you know, getting paid a point or two points and finding people deals. I was essentially a bird dog, which was great. I learned a lot. Sure. But now I was looking at these HUDs and these settlement statements and people were making 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars. And I was making 9,000, which I was thankful for. Yeah. But I was like, like, what are they doing? Made you realize there was something more yeah, there, Yeah, I was like, right? whoa, what is that? Yeah. So I really realized when I wore my investor hat first, I could go make much more money. Okay. Um, so this is what I teach all realtors. Being a realtor is amazing, but you should really be an investor first because a lot of realtors just tee up opportunities for other people, but they don't realize they can be the person with disclosure. You can say, hey, I can be the buyer. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it should be. Uh, somebody said something. I mean, it's been said a million times, but I remember inside our, the Facebook group, our Facebook group, Next Level Agents, I saw someone wrote, like, you can make a lot of money selling real estate, but you, you're only going to get rich if you buy real estate. Yeah. And I was like... I forgot that along. I don't like, I don't know about you. So I want to talk about like your kind of how you got, how you found yourself in real estate and how T group came to play. Um, but for me, I got in because I knew I needed a job if I was going to ever still have a job, if I was going to be an investor. So I wanted to be an investor. Like that was actually my, you know, I read rich dad, poor dad. I had a mentor who really lived that life. Mm -hmm. And that was what set me on fire for real estate. I only got into sales 
so I could become an investor. And then I fell in love with the business of real estate, but I forgot about that investment part for a minute. Uh, and by a minute, I mean like, you know, a little more than a decade. <laughs> so, um, so tell me like, first of all, when did you get into real estate as a, as a realtor? And then what was that progression like for you at first? So eight years ago, I'm from a small town and I got to kind of be a big fish in a small pond. And dude, I thought I was like special. I thought the world was like going to bring me things. And then fast forward from 18 to 25, I had my first son super early. I bounced around. I had 34 different jobs, pretty much realized I was unemployable. Um, and then I got into real estate at 25 and I was like, I had to look in the mirror and be like, dude, are you going to be the guy that like, you know, you can be because quite frankly, you have, hold on. Did somebody prompt that or, or did you have a, no, it was me. I was just out of, like, I had burned every bridge, right? Like, okay. You know, my dad had used every, you know, and he's not wealthy by any means, but he's, uh, he knows people. So he had gotten me jobs at different hotels and Bellman or dude, I was just like, I couldn't keep, <laughs> like, I was backed into a corner of like, all right, I got to figure this out. So, um, and I had had some success. I was always a hard worker. I was always kind hearted. Like I wasn't like a POS. I was just like, if I could not suffer a fool's errand, like I would not do it. Like I would just quit jobs. Like if I thought they were stupid and I thought they were all stupid. So, um, anyway, that's not good. Yeah. So real estate was like the thing that I was like, all right, I'm going to go do this because I was selling a multi-level marketing pill. I reached out to my aunt who's a successful realtor in Prescott. And I was like, Hey, I got this pill. It's going to change your body from the inside out. Like, you know, I'm a salesman. And she's like, you're an idiot. I love you. I will pay for real estate school. Pay me back on your first deal. And I was like, but you're going to buy the pill, right? Like I need this 200 bucks. And she's like, I'll buy the pill. Anyway, long story short, dude, I get into real estate and I crush, like I make like 17 grand my second month. Like I have a knack for it. And I'm like, I've never made 17 grand probably in a year. And now yeah. I made it in a month. And I was like, Oh, this is my thing. So I, I realized like, Hey, I'm pretty good at this. And I built a big real estate team. And that's kind of when you knew me at mm -hmm. KW Realty Phoenix. And I had started Templeton group and I started scaling, but I realized I liked owning businesses and I developed, I had so much personal development in that early yeah. eight years ago to six years ago, like those first two years, habits and discipline, like, dude, I transformed. And I realized like, Hey, I have this light in me that I can like really shine if I choose to go be this guy. Okay. So T group started, stabilized that really got into investment about five years ago. Same point as you, I didn't have a decade of absence from it. I really realized like, I think if I have one, I don't do many things well, but what I do do is see opportunity and take risk. And I was like, Oh, other people are doing that. Like, why can't I? So dude, I got really good at wholesaling and flipping like pretty quickly. So my next vertical I was telling you is Templeton group, then the wholesaling company. And if I have to wholesale deals, why not be my best buyer? I know how to flip houses. I sell most of my deals to my flipping company. All of these deals need title work. You know, I have a joint venture. I have a title company. And then I want to own rentals and be an investor and grow wealth. So I cherry pick the stuff that I can do the burst strategy on and, and rinse and repeat my money. So, you know, I own 40 homes that I've been able to, the, these vertically integrated companies all feed each other. So the same lead can pay me four or five different ways. Right. And that's what I've done well. And, um, I've found a passion for like stabilizing those next verticals. So, you know, my best friend Vince is here. He's going to stabilize the flipping. Um, I really, I'm, I've already thought like I spend 300 grand a year on turf in my flipping company. I probably want to start a turf company. Um, I've already thought about how am I going to go start a pool company? I was so frustrated. I built a pool last year, 180 days, 180 days. It took them. They were in my backyard nine days. I'm like, this is so inefficient. Stupid. Like, right? what if I just built four pools a month and I did like a little boutique pool shop and I guaranteed you it'd be done in 45 days and I had my crew in house and I didn't use the same subs everyone does. And I like built a beautiful product in 45 days. I could make a hundred, like, I know how to go make a vertical now, make a million dollars a year net. Right. Like I really know how to do that. I don't really know how to go make $10 million a year in a company. I haven't elevated to that, but I can go make a vertical, make a million bucks a year. All right. So that. let me ask you a question about that. I, I'm a challenge. Yeah. I'm a challenge you just cause I've had this conversation with yeah. other friends and it's, uh, I, I'll, I'll share with you my belief or I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about either though. So do you think, so like as an example, like you feel like you, re, you feel real confident to go make a million dollars a year in a certain vertical or a certain business, right? Yeah. Um, and it's probably, the fastest way to three or 4 million a year is to probably have a 
like two, three different million plus dollar businesses, right? Yep. A friend of mine said to me one time, he's like, I think that's the case, but I, I have a hunch that the fastest way to like 25 million a year is probably deeper in one or two of them as, as opposed to like 10 of them that make one. Um, and so when I say that to you, like, what do you think? I agree. I think you have to have clarity on what you actually want. So like for me, I learned the difference between making 750 a year or 1.5 a year. You're still kind of living like the there's same no, There's life. no difference. You lifestyle. have more savings. You have more investment money, but your lifestyle really doesn't change, doesn't change as long as you're not an asshole. Like, so for me, I would rather go start five or six different verticals that I can plug people that I love and care about and get them plugged into my system and my goal now is to make a runway big enough that everyone can come with me. Right. As opposed to when you have one vertical, it's hard to put more people in that aren't employees. Where I could go take my best friend Vince and say, hey, dude, come own this slipping company with me. Right. And your life's going to change. Or, hey, let's go do this um, this pool company. And you're going to be the CEO and the you know you're going to be the integrator of it. I'm going to use my network influence, business savvy, capital. That's what I bring to the table. But you got to go build pools. Right. Right. Yeah, or yeah. you got to go flip houses. I can go change more people in my circle's life with that model than I could on the the one deep. Yeah. I'm going to need more employees there. I can't give everyone equity. Or if I could, I don't know how. My brain doesn't understand sure. how. And I also think that that model is... You're going to hit big or you could also not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I like to diversify, where it's like if one of my companies isn't humming, like Templeton Group really doesn't make that much money anymore, my traditional team, but that's okay because it's just it's one, of, it's one of my pieces. Yeah, it's the hub though. I really, because if I can go make a million dollars a year wholesaling, do I need Templeton Group to go make half a million dollars? No, like as long as like my people are paid, I have leverage, people can call me and say, hey, Temp, can you help us out? Perfect. Hey, Sean is going to take care of you. And now I get to go, you know what I mean? So like every company doesn't have to be crazy. So because you do have a lot of friends and family members and mm -hmm. people and past clients that like want to continue to do business, with, business with you, like on, on retail real estate, right? Yeah. Do you, um, so for me, it kind of would be business wise. It'd be dumb not to have it. It just would be silly. Not yeah, to still, have that's group, why you right? stabilize it. Um, do you just enjoy the fact that it provide like Shauna, like, she's obviously a badass, right? I've met her. I, I know her. Yeah. Um, do you enjoy the fact that it, like, it provides for her and her family as well, too, and some yeah. of the other folks in the group? I love Shauna. She's family to me, right? Like, right. so I still get 30, 40 personal referrals a year. Yeah. Not what my agents do, just Templeton's just business. Just Templeton Walker, yeah. And she works that business, and we split it. Cool. So she has the ability to go make multiple six figures a year just servicing my clients. And I can still service my clients at a high level without actually having to go do all the work. I'm just the the lead magnet. Yep. And I go, Kevin, man, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so excited to help you. But here's the truth of where I'm at in business these days. Sean is pretty much going to do all of this. Of course, you have access to me. Call me. Let me know if you have concerns. But Sean is really going to be the one helping you. And quite frankly, she's a better realtor than me. But you're one of my best friends. I love you. You have me. And then Shauna goes and does it. I've yeah. never, and I let people know on the front end, if that doesn't work, dude, if you use another realtor. That's okay. That is totally okay. I'd rather you do that and us be on the, you know, yep. squared away on the front end. It's, it's like dude, radical, it's radical transparency on the front end. And it's like, it's all expectations, man. Like as so many, I know so many agents and, and you've talked to these agents too. They get so scared when they go to quote, build a team, like they, as if they can't do that. Right they can't let go because the person, they feel like they have to service. That's where I see so many agents who have, they have so much more potential in them, whether it's in another vertical or just to grow the one, the real estate sales team vertical, but they can't let go of the, of that one thing of like the handoff of the personal deal. And it's, to me, it's, I mean, I feel comfortable too. Like I just say, Hey, I've got a couple people on my team at one Stephanie, she's been with us for gosh, eight and a half years. I have no problem saying not only is she, awesome she's just better than me at this at this point and so yeah she's gonna take great care of you like you're my like you're my family and because she's my family yeah you know what I mean and so um I think mastering that is so important but I think so many of us get caught up in like yeah but that's like twelve thousand dollars I could be making right now right 
And so we, we, we hold on to those nickels. We just, we're squeezing those nickels and that, which means we can't pick up the, you know, the buckets of gold. It's scarcity or abundant mind mindset. Right. And dude, trust me when I first started saying no to back when our price points were a little lower when I was still a realtor. A like little a, lower. A yeah. $400,000 deal was a big deal, That was right? luxury, bro. Yeah, you're like, 400K deal, that's a $12,000 check. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to now go not work that deal and give away half? Like, that was like a big thought, right? And what I realized was like, if you try to hold everything, you're never going to be able to grow exponentially. You're only going to have linear growth. And so for me, like my aunt who first referred me to the business, who I love, she, you know, she helped me learn this. She sent me a text the other day and she's still a realtor. She was like, hey, I have a two and a half million dollar client. Um, are you ready to rock this with me? And I was like, hey, with love, no. Like going and acting like a realtor for a two and a half million dollar client right now sounds like being kicked in the balls. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, don't. It's a sure. That's a nice payday, and it's trading your time for money, right? And is it in my highest and best use? Do I wake up every day enjoying? You're not that? the best person for that job. No. So I said, hey, if one of my agents could do it, I would love to take that opportunity. But like, I got to be upfront with you on the front end. I can't, and I don't, and I would not do a good job. So you gave her my cell phone number, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, and then she said, hey, I have another realtor that's willing to do it. I said, you should probably go with the yeah. other realtor. Because I know if I wake up and I stay in my lane and I do the things that I'm really, really good at um, and I don't break my own rules of leverage, right? Because we can all make these exceptions like, well, I'll work this one deal. So easy to justify. I'll work this one deal, Especially in the moment. And I don't break those rules, even for the $2.5 million deal. I'm like, no. Because if I go do the right things this month, my money's going to come in and I'm going to be just fine and I don't have to throw this curveball into my system. Are you more clear-headed, do you believe, because you're not, I don't want to say worried, not dependent upon the T-group paycheck? Financial security or financial freedom is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. So, yes, like, because I've kept my livelihood in a pretty reasonable level and I can just live off of my passive investments, I equate it to... Like when you're in a sports game and you have a coach who pulls you out for every mistake, you play scared, you play tight. Or like when you know he's never going to pull you and he gives you the freedom to like go play, you have fun. My passive investments give me the ability to just have fun. I get to go create these next verticals and they can work or not work. But like my kids, my wife, my livelihood, everyone's eating this month, whether I go work this month or not. Right. So I get to go do it. I don't have to. Yeah, I love that, man. It's um, it's dude, man. It's such a shift, I think, in mindset to just be able to go. Doesn't matter if I actually go do this, so that way you're not making decisions for that dollar. I mean, we all like you. Ever, and I'm and by the way for the listeners who heard that the wrong way. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, especially as you're building. But what I am saying is, if you can get yourself to a place in your business, whether that is through your actual active business or your investments. If you can get to the place where you're not doing something because you're going to make money for it, because you have to, the freedom that it gives you to be way more open and actually, I think, see bigger opportunities and do bigger things is such a, it's such a huge opportunity in life that most people will never experience. And it's the coolest thing in the world. It's one of my passions is to help people understand how to get off the hamster wheel. And it's really just understanding the way money should flow. Like most of us in our life, we create active income. Yeah. We use that money. We go on vacations. We pay for our houses, our cars, our food, our gym memberships. And then we save and invest what's left. And there's usually nothing there or very little. And if people could understand that, go get as good as you can at making high active income, which real estate is a beautiful business to do that in, right? For sure. Like being a realtor, being an investor, you can make these big checks. So you make active income. You pour that into cash flowing assets and then you use and invest what's left. So now you have an infinite cycle as opposed to active income usage, then investing. Um, it's because you're not going to get there. Like it's going to take. You have to flip the script on it. Otherwise, you're going to follow the same script so everyone I'm, else I'm, does. I'm financially free. at th- I'm 34 now, but I was financially free at 32. God, you're old, bro. <laughs> at I remember 30. when you were like 19. I know. No. So, um, but. 
I was financially free then, but society tells me that I should have had to wait till 65 or yeah, 67. Totally. And that's the truth if I don't understand how to switch my thinking around the flow of money. Yeah. And, and it's not that hard. Like I tell people all the time, like you it's don't, subtle. It's actually subtle. It's not hard. Like a couple good investments, you know, an Airbnb here, a little duplex, this and that, you keep your livelihood down. You can go create five, six grand a month in cash flow and replace your your costs. Yep. Like I live on more than five, six grand a month these days because I have a million kids and a beautiful wife and family. But you like, do, and, you, and she, I think she's pregnant for the eighteenth time this yes, year. Yes. Yeah. I can't stop. But you know, a lot of people that are listening, they probably live on. They could probably live a, a decent life on three, four grand. Yep. So you could be financially free with a few properly structured deals. Yeah. So that's what I would do. You said something a moment ago, which was interesting because I've, I've really thought about this a lot over the last couple of months, which you said hamster wheel. And for me, a realization I've had some point this year was while it's a, it's a nicer hamster wheel as realtors, we're still on a hamster wheel. We may not realize it because it looks better and it's got a much higher upside than like most industries. It's still a hamster wheel. Look at the awards that we give out as an industry. You and I have had this conversation for years about all the stage talk bullshit, right? About GCI and volume and without ever talking about money that comes home. Like it's still a hamster wheel that we're in as realtors. We have the opportunity for it to be a very high paying hamster wheel, but it's a hamster wheel nonetheless. And it's better than the corporate one. So if we don't take the time to, I think the way you just articulated that kind of flip the script on that and change the way we're utilizing our active income, Mm -hmm. like we're going to be stuck there for a long time. Like, I know you'd same way. Like, I just don't want to have to sit in someone's living room when I'm 75 to make a paycheck. Yeah. And or, it's be, you know, even now. Well, it's because you didn't plant the seeds today that you're going to be rewarded for 7, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And what most of us can't do is get in that appropriate flow of money because it sounds nice to be like, oh, I want to go buy the Beamer today. I want to go buy the bigger house today. And you get what, um, I, don't, I didn't coin this, someone did, but it's called lifestyle creep. Yeah. And, you know, your income went from five grand a month to seven grand a month, 10 grand a month. But now your expenses went from five grand a month to seven grand a month to 10 grand a month. Yeah. And you start to feel like, well, shit, I got to have that new SUV. I got to have the, you know, the the million dollar house and this and that. And, dude, I've dealt with it. Like, well, I've, you and I have talked about this a lot privately, dude, uh, over coffee at, you know, multiple times. What was the big change for you in that? So for me, I realized like when I, I was... 28, 29, I started to make kind of good money for the first time. And dude, I did what a 28, 29 year old does. I bought a BMW and a Mercedes in the same day. I had a house that had like flames. It was stupid. Is that the Wi-Fi hot tub that you had? Yeah, the Wi-Fi hot tub. And I was like, I'm the man. You know what I mean? And then. And then you got, then you got her pregnant that night. Yes. But no, but the reality was when I look back on it, I sold all that because I, one thing I, that pisses me off about my time at, you can KW. say whatever you want, uh, okay. bro. I don't care. What pisses me off about my time at KW, which it gave us so much good training and stuff, in 2016, okay. I had the fear of God put in me that the shift was coming. And seriously, like the fear of God, I was like, oh, people were serving tables. They couldn't be realtors anymore. Like I can't, dude, I was, we're still not at the, right? And like I've had so much growth and I've made a lot of wealth and I've done very well, but always with this like, nugget in my mind like it's all going away it's coming like and that's what i learned that in that building was like shifts coming it was like a mandatory read it was like hey don't over leverage dude i so you know what's funny because i remember that time and i remember really i actually went back through the shift book at that time because so gary was my mentor and like whether it was in a mastermind group or just private email or a group email i was getting a lot of information from him and i so I hear what you're saying. I took that as like, you know, we use as in a lot of ways, it's part of the reason why we left KW uh, a couple of years later, because I'll never forget. I got this email from Gary and it went to me and like the other people in our masterminds. There's probably a hundred of us. Right. And one of the things was like reduce expenses. And we started literally, we started every Monday reviewing every penny. I mean, every fucking penny that came out of our bank account every week. Like, is this valid? Should we be canceled? And then what I started noticing is how much we were paying KW. It's like that started a really awkward conversations, yeah. right? Um, but so 
I know what you're saying um, about like it. God, could you imagine if you just gotten scared and kind of sold everything and just decided I'm gonna go sit on the sideline now and wait for the shift and. And I know you so many missed, people did it way too soon. Yeah, you would have missed the, like, for the last five years that have just been, there's been so much opportunity over the last five years. And the truth is there's opportunity going up and there's opportunity going down. It's a matter of if you're positioned to take it or not and if you know if you know how to, to adjust your strategy. So I always, I love the quote. I'm like the quote doctor. I have a quote for everything. And they're not all mine. I just know. <laughs> The, just don't uh, put your name on them on like the, a, on like a course. Yeah. yeah, but the the bird does not have faith in the branch; it has faith in its wings, right? Like, yeah, you could put me in any situation, and I am confident I'm going to be just fine. Yeah, because I'm a stud, right? Like, right. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to I'm going to absorb the knowledge. I'm going to find the mentor. I'm going to find the way. Yep. Because I have the wings, right? Like, I don't need the branch. Um, and I wish I would have known that sooner, and that like. What most people need to do is just figure out how much runway they need. Like at a certain point, I, you know, I have passive investments. I have that infinite income, right. which is like the best thing. But if I didn't, I need about 12 to 18 months of runway to sleep well at night. Like, hey, I have enough money for my family to be fine. If I didn't make a dollar, I have a year, a year and a half. You're going to feel good. I'm going to have enough time to figure out what my next move is. After that amount of cash that I have saved, it's my job to take to take every dollar and get it out in the streets yeah, and the invest re- it. Anything invest more than it. that, it's wasteful. And yeah. I, and I want to be really clear for the listener: for Templeton, that's twelve to eighteen months. You might feel good with less. You might need more to feel good. So when I said anything more is wasteful, I meant for Templeton at eighteen months. If he has nineteen months of reserves, that that's wasteful, and I think he knows that, right? Because we all need a certain you know number to feel good to feel secure, to get past all of our, probably our childhood trauma and our, and our adulthood, like business trauma that we, that we all deal with as adults. And so whatever that number is for you, um, just anything above that is just truthfully, it's a waste. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah. In cash, um, if you had $5 million in 2017, $5 million saved in cash, the buying power that that money would have for you today is worth 2.5 million, half weird right people don't understand that right that's like the invisible you know as we inflate and as our market changes your cash is really not working for you but here's what happened you know i have these 30 40 homes i don't know the exact number because they were selling some off but let's just call it 35 homes okay every month our market's appreciated about 30 percent this year so what has happened to my net worth it's it's been good right or I could have sold all those off, had the fear that the market's going to shift on me, had a pile of cash that is now worth half. Yeah. It's half as usable as it was. But the way we were brought up to use talk about child trauma and programming, I was taught find a job, make your money, save it a little bit, go on a couple vacations, don't take risk, you know, very simple. And, and what you realize is that risk is not bad uncalculated risk is very bad. Yeah. And when you're putting all your chips on the table and you don't have that reserve, so I can play free because I have passive income, I have um, cash reserves, I can go place bets and they can go wrong and I'm not thinking this, you know, scarcity. Doesn't It doesn't oh change God. what you're eating next month. Yeah, so trust me, I don't like um, losing money, but now I just put a fund together where we raise four hundred thousand dollars for thirty percent equity in this in a company that dude the P and L is so cool like the P and L is juicy. Oh, that's right! I remember getting that so, phone call. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I self subscribed most of it, but <laughs> the P so that that's exciting. But there's a good chance that that doesn't work. Right, and that's okay. Yep. But I've put myself in a position to make that bet confidently. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to go back to that for a second. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking of a specific conversation you and I had. We might have even had it kind of twice. Um, we talked about rat holing, right? I just stole your word, like rat holing. Oh, dude. And it's for, so you read a book called Profit First. Well, um, I read book, Goodbye Things and Profit First are the two books that really. So let, let's talk about, so talk about Goodbye Things later. Like, I love that, like the whole downside. Like, yeah. I, I like that. Um but the profit first thing, and the so rat holing, give, 
Tell, oh, yeah, tell, yeah. tell the listener about that, what that is and how that kind of got you on a, on a roll. So you and I had always had our quarterly coffees. We just, as friends, we, you know, Hang we'd talk. share ideas, share yep. thoughts. And I felt like you and I were always on the same hamster wheel when we talk about these, you know, hey, dude, we're making a lot of money. But are you keeping a lot of it? And you're like, not enough. Not really. Not, not enough. And I'm like, never enough. Dude, me either. I'm like, what is going on? And then we had a coffee. And I was like, dude. I started doing this thing after I read this book, Profit First, and I challenged myself, every dollar that enters my life, half of it is mine, and everything else has to go run and survive and thrive and stay afloat on half. Like, half is Templeton's, and I had never been able to save, like, liquid cash more than, like, 150 grand. No matter how much money I made, dude, there was always somewhere for it to go. And I was like, dude, I've saved like a quarter mil in four months. And you're like, shut up. I was like, dude, I'm rat holing it. I'm like, it's just like, I'm like, it's not allowed to go anywhere else. It's my money. It's mine. Yeah. And you're like, are you serious? Not your businesses. No. And then it's you personal. And I guess I said, guess what? Nothing's changed in the businesses. They're still doing well. And in Profit First, they use the analogy of a tube of toothpaste. He goes, when you have a fresh tube, you're just all willy-nilly. You're just putting these big old daddy strips of toothpaste on. Oh, yeah. But when you're down to the end and there's no toothpaste left, you get all creative and you roll it and you, like, press it up and you still get a strip. When you make your businesses do that, man, now your business has to be creative and go thrive. And it can't just, uh, you know, say, hey, Daddy Warbucks, Templeton, can you, can you float me another month? And it's this businesses are these... Um, ever hungry machines that will always eat cash. That will suck your capital no matter what. You can always spend spend the money. That's a funny story. There's a disease I guess called Prater Willy, where you don't know hunger, like you're not you don't or you don't know when you're full. And um, when I used to smoke weed, I would be like, I got Prater Willy right now, <laughs> and it's called Prater Willy, P R A D E R, Willy. I thought it was called Pray to Willy, so I'd be like, Pray to Willy. And I've been eating Oreos and stuff. I don't smoke anymore, but whatever. Um, so, is that dude, part of 75 hard? Yeah, businesses have prayed to Willie, dog. They do. They really so, do. But they'll always eat cash. And, and unless you set some hard stop boundaries and say, no, this is Kevin's money. This is Templeton's money. So I take profit first. So now, and I had the luxury of starting with a lot of revenue. Ooh, so you, I, I took half. Dude. But you could start with 5%, 3%. You could, you could, but we're also in real estate. Like, we have the ability to make a lot of money actively. You have the ability to cheat code your way there. Yes. If you, But you have to have the, and even if it is 5% or 10% or, tw- like, the reality is, is when you make a lot of money, 10% makes a difference, right? But you, you got to stay loyal to that. And then you got to keep, you got to keep pushing that up as you go. And I love that you did that. I'll tell you what, I just saw a clip the other day, um, I'm going to bring this up because because you are you have very good taste in basketball teams, and so it was Lakers, a, baby. it was a clip with Shaq and he was talking about doctor something Doctor Bus taught him, and Doctor Bus uh, for those of you who don't know, that's okay. Just he's the greatest you know owner in in, in uh, professional sports history, and Doctor Bus had said to him, he said, you know, you're rich, but I'm wealthy, and Shaq said, well, I want to be wealthy. What do I do? He said, well, let me tell you what rich people do. Let me tell you what wealthy wealthy people do that rich people don't. He said, okay. So he said, here's your paycheck. It's 100, right? He said, yeah. He goes, okay. So tear it in half. Half goes over here to savings and investments, right? That's that's still not, that's not what wealthy people do. They take that half. They tear it in half again. That also goes to savings and investments. He's like, this other 25%, you can ball out, go buy all the cars, you do whatever you want, drink the Cristal, get the yeah. cars, get the house, but it's only on this little 25% piece over here. So there's 75% goes to make more. He's like, and that's the difference between rich and wealthy. I was like, dang, 75%. Like that's a whole, even for me, I was like, well, that's a, yeah, that's a hell of a paradigm shift when you think about that. Well, and so what I would encourage people is they're saying, well, Kevin, I can't, I need almost all of my money right now, right? Because they are on that hamster wheel. Almost. That's the key word. So, but you can start with 1%. You can hell start yeah, with you three. Can. You can start with five. If, if, if the government said, hey, there's going to be this new 10% tax, you're going to go to jail if you don't pay it. We'd all pay it. You're going to pay it. So you have to give these 
these sort of like non-negotiable guidelines to yourself. And for me, it was half, right? Yeah. And I've stuck with that and I've been able to increase it and increase it where, you know, I probably, my livelihood is about 5% of my monthly. Got it. And so now I get, now half of my brain power is reading and networking and discerning where I'm going to take this active income and go apply it. To go put it. Right. And I've worked really hard to put myself in that situation. Yeah. So, and that's where it gets fun. That's where, and I'll call you next time. Hey, we're going to raise 400 grand, put it in this company. Oh, I'm going to put a $50,000 venture capital check into Sweater Ventures, which you guys should all go download right now. Whatever it's going to be, I get to discern and I get the privilege of doing that because I've been disciplined. Like Jocko Willenick says, discipline equals freedom. Yeah. They go, well, I don't want to go live on half. I don't want to go live on 75%. Well, I get to go do all this fun stuff and take these big bets because I'm disciplined in other areas. And I, you know, I still live in a, 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 a really cool but regular house. Um, Not for long, though, right? right? Did you buy another house? I did, but then it fell out. What? Yeah, but I actually feel good about it. Okay, that's good. I feel good about it. Like, the right house um, will be there when it's there. So, for the listeners, like, I've lived in, you know, I, I bought this mid-century modern house for 350 now it's probably worth 600 it's a good house but for my earnings it's like it's very easy and light for me and i went and bought a 1.5 million dollar house and um negotiations fell apart and now i'm not buying it and i'm like totally okay you feel good about it though i feel good then that's all that matters dude i'm not stressed when like, you're there you're, when you find it you find it dude it's you know what else financial freedom gives you is the ability to not need or like Dude, not make a decision based on need. Like I don't. I mean, we need more room because I keep. Yeah, you do. Ba- I keep making babies. And but your kids are fucking crazy too. Dude, they're it. so funny. Love it, dude. Little temp and his mullet, and they're they're hilarious. You guys gotta follow this cat on Instagram just so you can see his kids. Like just so you can see his kids. It's pretty man. They're so amazing, dude. They're hilarious. But no, so life's good. But you when you don't need, and then when you start to let life flow, like. You can't sit back and expect the world to bring you things. Remember, I learned that yeah. at 25. But you also, you can take a ton of action, but you can't worry about the result. Yep. The only lever, the only variable you can control is your actions, your discipline, your habits. But I can't control what that seller decided to do. But I can put myself in a position to buy the next house that comes up. Yep. That's really the only variable I can control. And I'm at peace with that. So when you like let go of results and you just focus on, what are the variables that I can control? You're now the master of your own life. That's so true. So, all right, let's just bounce around a little bit. Um, you mentioned uh, something called Sweater Ventures. Um, I know that there's some uh, there's some crypto love in your heart. Oh, what yeah. are some of the things outside of real estate that you've when you started rat holing it? Like you could you went, oh, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'm going to diversify a little bit. Tell give me some of those. Well, first and foremost, I had set a baseline with houses. That I was like, hey, if I never, I'm going to naturally buy houses because my company. So I'm going to always probably be adding a few in, but I don't need that to be my whole focus. Like I don't have a goal to own a hundred homes. Right. Right. Like if my portfolio, if I just let time do its thing, it's going to pay itself off and it's going to be a really nice life for me and Denise and the kids later on. So I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm there. Now I want to go figure out the next thing. And crypto has always been a big thing for me where, you know, when everyone was high on it, 2017, I was a little bit earlier than that, but I got in and instead of selling everything the way everyone did, I just set autos and I bought it these last five years when it was down. So now when it, it's gone up again, I've, I've been fortunate to do really well in the up. And I was always texting you like right before it got crazy. And hopefully you made a lot of money from my text messages. Dude. Yeah. It's funny because I, so I started looking at it I started paying attention to it. Obviously, 2017 caught everyone's attention who was paying it for Bitcoin. Not everyone's. A good, like, that was a big bump for the kind of bringing Bitcoin to the mainstream. And then it crashed. And it was right after that that I was like, you know, I need to buy. I bought some. I didn't buy enough. Nobody did, right? Yeah. Um, well, some people did. I did not buy enough. But I bought some. And then I just let it sit there because I kind of was like, I know I believed in it, but I didn't know shit about it. And then for what, I don't know what it was, but about a little more than a year ago, so call it summer of 2020, I had a lot of time to think. I think a lot of us did, right? Uh, And so I just was like, if I believe in this, number one, I need to put my money where my mouth is. 
and kind of going back to what you talked about, like with rat holing, there's always a percent that I have. And I was like, what's the percent or what's the dollar amount that like I could theoretically risk that I could, if it goes to zero, I don't care, but I think it's actually got a high enough upside. So I started doing that, started doing auto buys and auto, you know, and then that made me more interested in it. Kind of like, you know, if you play fantasy sports or if you bet on sports, like all of a sudden you're, yeah, you're following, you have, right? Yeah. So I did the same thing. And I know that about myself, right? When I have a bet going on a sporting event or a fantasy team going, like I'm way more involved, even more than I normally am. And so same thing was true for me with, with, with crypto. So I started legitimately learning and I started make, placing heavier and heavier buys, right? You know, and it's still, I'm still just, I'm not, I'm not trading but dollar cost averaging my way into what I believe in for the long run, for sure. And it's, yeah, the last year plus has been. It's been good. It's been, it's been good. It's when been I good. told you, like, I have some disciplines, like I run these little altcoins, like, and I'm no master of crypto. I pretty much believe in um, Ethereum and BTC, Cardano. There's a few others, Polkadot. I kind of run these small alts when they hit a certain leverage point. I just move them there. And like, I believe in like Bitcoin is going to be a, leverageable asset it already yeah, yeah. is you can take loans against your For bitcoin sure. the same way you can take a heloc against your house so if i have 10 bitcoins and down the road they go to um, half a million dollars now i have five million dollars of wealth that i can then uh, there i promise you there will be you can leverage that however you want there will be banks that will lend you 75 percent of that money so now i have three million dollars that i can leverage against my coins and go put so i shouldn't sell them we're traders Traders, you've created a job and you've created a capital gain event. Right. If you go make a bunch of money, now you have to go pay a capital gain. So I run everything into BTC and ETH and I just hold it. Trust me, there's hard days because BTC and ETH, I, you know, on paper, I lost 400 grand of profits this year just on in one of my thingies. I had to see that. I was like, well, I should have sold it and no. It's like, no, no. you should have just not logged in. That's actually what you should have done. And just, and now yeah. that it's down, great. There's another buying opportunity. If I truly have conviction yep. and at some point, you know, you might want to take the cream off the top. But for me, I think BTC and ETH are, and I am not an expert on this. Like this is just my theory and I've done fine with it. And a lot of that's timing and, and I've just played the game. Um, I think those coins are going to be wealth creators and worth quite a bit of money and I'll be able to borrow against them and I don't ever have to sell them. So I think that, yeah, some of it's timing, but more of it is time, like the length of time, just like it is like with, real with real estate, right? Yeah. So it, this was not me trying to get into a, to a crypto conversation by any means, because I know it probably just turned off half the listeners, which that's fine. I don't care. But the point is, is like, you're looking at other things. Um, yeah. Tell me what else, like what else, are you looking so at So sweater, else? like venture. So like one of my favorite things is to build businesses. Okay. So I pretty much become a beacon for opportunity. Like okay. let's say someone has an opportunity, they bring it to me. Okay. And then I'm going to typically go put that in the hands of my brother and another buddy, uh, Jeff Booth, who are like both very analytical. They're going to find out why it doesn't work. Okay. I'm always going to find out why it does work. Right. They're going to tell me why it doesn't. And if they end up liking the opportunity... I'll then maybe go place a bet. And I'll ask them, hey, are you willing to write a check? Because they're way more conservative than me. And if they're willing to write the check. I love that. You got, you got filters so in your I don't life. Even, yeah. I don't even assess the deals, right? Like the, the cannabis testing company that I just did, like not grower, not dispensary. Arizona passed a law that um, it has to go through an eight panel test now. So there's a lot of product that can't be sold legally because it can't be tested. So there's a really ripe opportunity there that... Um, People much smarter than me, they started the company, scientists and engineers, but they needed capital, so here I am. Uh, so, w let me stop you for a second. Where does that come from? Like, where are you getting these deals? Here's what I love about, by the way, if you guys take my advice and follow him on social, um, what you'll see, because I think I know where the answer is going to be, but I want to hear it in your words. What you'll see on, on social, and I love that you do this, it's been a great lesson for me, is like, I got to imagine that's where you source most of your most of your freaking yeah. real estate deals because you're just always reminding people to send me the because most agents aren't going to buy them well they're not going to buy them and so you're just like i'll buy them so i've um, turned every agent into my ally and i'm just like hey yeah. send me your deals on the internet I, for eight years i've said send me your deals send me your deals and people are like what does that mean and i'm like oh if you're a realtor and you need a buyer you need a real cash buyer and you want to represent both sides you could take both sides of the commission just call me just call me i'm your buyer i'll give you a buy price same day you don't know how to comp it no worries i'll comp it i'll tell you what i can pay for it if the answer is no no problem. I just want to see it. 
Yeah. So now I've created this system, you know, with my partners, Miguel and Rodolfo and the wholesale company, we have this filter where I can go through a hundred leads a day. They can figure out what we can pay for stuff and we write offers and we go buy 30, 40 houses a month that feeds the flipping company. We wholesale some off, we keep some as rentals and it social media for me has been this beautiful top of the funnel yeah. and that you can't, you can't antiquate like an ROI on it. Like, yeah, for sure. But I promise you it works. And I always tell people you have to have top of mind market share and whatever you're, and you got to be very clear on your messaging. Yeah. So for me, realtors are my who, and I want to be your buyer is my what. I like that. I'm clear on that. So I, on my social media, I don't need to go impress my auntie in California who I love, who's probably annoyed at hearing me say, send me your deals. I just need realtors to send me their deals. That's literally the purpose of it. And I'm clear on that. I'm not offended if people unfollow me because it's, gosh, Temp's always talking about send me your deals, send me your deals. But it's like, no, this is why I have this. Like, as opposed to having a job, I get to go make funny videos and say, send me your deals and crush LaCroix on my head and power skid he, uh, he, he golf cart. He said funny videos. I think he meant to say stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, that, no, it's, it's pretty funny. If you know Temp, you know that it's funny. All right, dude, we got to wrap up uh, because we're going way over. But I have a couple other questions for you. Okay. Favorite basketball player of all time? Kobe Bryant. I love you. Uh, favorite baseball team of all time? Padres. Get the fuck out of my studio. Tony yeah. Gwynn. I, Tony Gwynn was legit, man. I have nothing but respect for that man. He was, And he was a sweetheart. I met him once when he signed my baseball card. And he could hit. I have a Tony Gwynn foul ball. It's precious. One of the greatest hitters of all time, no doubt. Dude. R.I.P. Um, what are you most excited about? Go. So we're recording this. What is it? We're like mid-September 2021. What are you most excited going about, about for 2022? Um, besides, besides new baby, my new daughter and my, my family and my life is just really dope. Um, but business wise, opportunity wise, whatever. Um, I would like to have 20 verticals that all bring my side of the equation, a minimum of 50 a month. Okay. And I believe I can do that. Like not pie in the sky. Like I think I can do that through who, not how. And I, I have developed into the man that can actually carry that load. Like at 28, I wasn't the guy who could do what I can do at 30. And at 30, I, I, I keep growing into the guy who can actually execute on this big vision. Um, and I'm excited to see who I become in the next year because the dude's going to be a stud and I'm going to be able to do what I say I can. What's the, um, what's the best thing you've done this year? Made babies. <laughs> most fun too um, but no best thing I've done this year um, probably take my best friend Vince out of a corporate job that he hated we set him up man he he has called six figures in the bank we house hacked a house together so he almost has no mortgage and he's financially free to go take a leap on entrepreneurship and he doesn't my best friend who is my brother doesn't have to be on eight Zoom calls a day anymore. I love talking it. about fucking, you know, what did you guys sell? Like medical devices. You know, how many catheters did we sell this month? Like, he doesn't have to do that anymore, and that's badass. I love it. All right, what's the best place? I mean, uh, like I'm gonna link to your Instagram, but is that the best place for people to catch up to you? Temple, uh, yeah, Templeton underscore Walker. I have a TikTok, but I just feel so creepy. weird. No, I. I think I might, dude, my shit's fire and people aren't watching it. So it's just pissing me off. I have one video with like a ton of views when I bought $70,000 of Dogecoin at once. And I called everyone dumb shits. I was like, hey, dumb shits, here's how you invest. I was just, you know, I was just trying to be funny. You should have got some coins and done like, I don't know who that is. But oh, that's the me. salt thingy. You should have got some coins and been like, here's my Doge. Because like so many people don't even know that it's like not a physical. Yeah, I don't know. So. Should have gotten to like some tokens from uh Peter Piper pizza or something like that. But In fact, now I'm going to do that. Let's make a TikTok together. Instagram. Let's, let's go do that. We can put it on both. Whatever. Let's go. But that's can we do on both, Brandon? Yeah. Okay. Dude, yeah. I need to. Like, dude, I feel like I have such a fucking dope message and like 2,000 people are watching it. The and hard I, part is it's like getting me. <laughs> you do have a great message, brother. And it's so funny because like you go from I'm a fucking clown to serious deep message in the ma in a matter of 10 seconds. And I, I mean, yeah. I love it because I know you and I'm like, 
It's mm. all over the place. You, dude, you've taught me so much over the years. Like, our relationship has been so good for me over the last couple of years. Vice and versa. I just, uh, man, I appreciate you, brother. I love you, man. I love you, dude. I, uh, I'm glad we finally got to run this back. We can't. We've not figured out how to shake hands yet. It was so awkward. I'm really, that's not awkward. That's how friends was, shake. That was a little awkward. We just high-five it or something like that. That was, that was no, awkward. No, the first one was good, dude. The first one was good. But you know when people fist bump? Yeah. So do a fist bump, and then I do a turkey. Look at the head and the feathers. And then I say turkey. You go, what? Anyway. You say turkey, and I just think of, like, turkey lurkey. I don't know. I think this of uh, Thanksgiving quickly. I'm so excited for. I'm not on 75 hard anymore. I'm going to eat fucking everything. Is that over? Did you do? I failed on day 56. What the? I'm sorry. I'm human, but I'm fit now. I have great habits. It did what it was supposed to do. Leave me alone. Oh, I don't think Ed would agree. No, so I got home from Wait, who is it? That's, it? that's an Ed. Is it Ed? Uh, no, it's uh, or Andy it? Frisella. Sorry, I mix those two guys up. I know I shouldn't do that. That's last totally story, racial story, profiling. Last, I get home from La Jolla. I have the kids up on my own. Sea World. I get home. I have two workouts still. I say, hun, we just got the baby down. I was like, I'm going to lay down on the couch for 30 minutes. I still have two workouts tonight, which I had already ran into that equation a lot of times during the I process. remember. So I'm like, hun, wake me up. And she's been great about it. She tries to wake me up five times. All I kept telling her is, fuck that challenge. And then I woke up the next day like, dang it. Were you praying to Willie? I, no. Well, I prayed to Willie the whole week because, dude, I was off. I did keto for 56 days without cheating, Ooh. which Switch is it. why. I did a three-day fast this week. Your boy is tight right now. I was. Um, uh, I did three days this week. How was a 72-hour? I've never made it. I've never made it past 48. This is the third time I've done it in the last 10 months. I did a 24-hour dry fast. Have you done a dry yet? No. No, you can't have an ounce of water. Know, you can't have anything. Uh, I'm not saying I won't try it. I liked it, but they say it gives you a three- to five-day result. That's what they say, but there, there's no proof of it. So, Well, it's we're all just I don't know. We're all just experimenting. experimenting. I don't know. I'll tell you I had I'd a I'd probably try a five-day with... With water. I'd rather suffer one day without anything, no water, than five days, dude. I'll probably go to five days first before I try one day dry. Do you know what I'm so glad's back in my life? Me? Tortillas. We, and on that, okay. we're, we're out. Okay. Love you. I love you, brother. Turkey. Turkey. See you next time, guys. <laughs>